The text for the sermon this evening is the second half of the 17th verse of Ephesians chapter 6. We'll read that first, and then we'll turn to 2 Timothy chapter 3. Ephesians 6, verse 17, second half, and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. We're going to include one word from the first half of the verse, take, and take the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. And let's turn to 2 Timothy chapter 3, which teaches us about this Word of God. This know also that in the last days perilous times shall come, for men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection, truce breakers, false accusers, incontinent, fierce, despisers of those that are good, Traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasures more than lovers of God, having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof. From such, turn away. For of this sort are they which creep into houses and lead captive silly women laden with sins, led away with diverse lusts, ever learning and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. Now as Janus and Jambres withstood Moses, so do these also resist the truth. Men of corrupt minds reprobate concerning the faith, but they shall proceed no further For their folly shall be manifest unto all men, as theirs also was. But thou hast fully known my doctrine, manner of life, purpose, faith, long-suffering, charity, patience, persecutions, afflictions, which came unto me at Antioch, at Iconium, at Lystra. What persecutions I endured, but out of them all the Lord delivered me. Yea, and all that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. But evil men and seducers shall wax worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. But continue thou in the things which thou hast learned and hast been assured of, knowing of whom thou hast learned them, and that from a child thou hast known the holy Scriptures, 
which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. That the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. Thus for we read God's holy and inspired word. May God add His blessing upon the reading of His holy scriptures. Beloved congregation in the Lord Jesus Christ, when we think of sword power, the thought that immediately comes to our mind is the work of elders. We think specifically of the work of Christian discipline. There is a member of a congregation who is not walking a holy walk before the Lord, and the attention of the elders is called unto the fact that that person is walking in sin, and the elders work with that individual with the goal of bringing the individual to repentance. But if the individual does not repent of their sins, then formal discipline begins and proceed through the steps of discipline. And if at last the individual still does not repent, then it's necessary for the elders to excommunicate out of the church of Jesus Christ the impenitent member. That's what normally comes to mind when we think of sword power. The official work of the church through the elders working with impenitent members. And although we are not wrong to conceive of sword power in that sense, we would do an injustice to the Word of God if we limited our understanding of sword power to that. It's not just the elders who have sword power collectively, but you, as individual members of the church of Christ, have sword power. Sword power is not just used working with an impenitent member, but sword power is something that you and I and every one of the children of God need in our lives. Children make use of sword power when they are at school and they're out on the playground and somebody says a naughty word, and the children admonish the other child, saying, you must not say something like that, for it takes God's name in vain. 
Husbands need sword power as they go forth to work and rub shoulders with the people of the world. Wives need sword power as they labor in the home and face the many temptations that come with the calling God has given them. Sword power. It's something that every one of you and I have been gifted by God. Let's consider this evening the sword of the Spirit. First, we'll consider the identity of this sword. Then we'll consider its proper use. And third, see its saving power. What is the identity of this sword that God gives unto you and me to use? We must not misunderstand this verse as saying that the sword is the Holy Spirit. We are to take the sword of the Spirit, but the Spirit is not the sword. Rather, the rest of the verse explains what the sword is. Take the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. That is what sword power is. It's God's Word, which He has given unto His people. The word here in this text is translated as Word, which is the Word of God is a different word than the more commonly used word, at least the word that we are more familiar with. We're familiar with the word logos. But this, the word used in this text is a, is a different word. The word of this text emphasizes the fact that it comes forth from one's lips. If it's the Word of God, it's the Word that God speaks. It's the holy utterance of God. It's the voice, the speech of Jehovah Himself as Jehovah addresses His people. That Word of God is Sword power. The Word of God as it goes forth from His lips reveals what is in His heart. What is His will. Jesus Christ said that that's true of mankind as man speaks. Matthew 15, verse 18 But those things which proceed out of the mouth come forth from the heart. The tongue is nothing more than an expression of that which is already found within us. If one seeks to control the tongue, the way to control the tongue is by addressing the heart. Well, Just as it is true for man that that which is in his heart comes forth from his lips, so also it is true for God. That the word that comes forth from the lips of God are a revelation 
of that which is the mind, the will of God. Would you know what God thinks of you? Would you want God's wisdom, God's guidance in your life? Then go to where God speaks to His people in His holy Word. God spoke the Word, but now that spoken Word has been recorded in a written form. And that written form in which God's spoken Word is recorded is the Scriptures, what we call the Bible. This is the sword of the Spirit, the holy and inspired Scriptures. In 2 Timothy 3, verse 16, we read about the nature of the origin of the Scriptures. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. The Holy Ghost, who is the breath of God, the Holy Spirit went forth from God and moved certain men to write down words on paper. And the Holy Spirit so moved these men that the words that they wrote down on paper, which words now make up the Holy Scriptures, are the very thoughts of God Himself. The Scriptures, we must not misunderstand the Scriptures to be a combination of the thoughts of God and the thoughts of men. And that God and man cooperated together And then the net result is now what we have here are the Scriptures. No, the Scriptures are the thoughts of God. As God revealed His will and His heart unto holy men. We can be thankful that the voice, the holy utterance of God has been recorded in a book. Imagine if it wasn't. Imagine if you had to rely on the word spoken orally. How hard it would be to remember exactly what the word is. It can happen where people hear a speech given, a form of public address. They hear the exact same message. They go home. After the speech is finished, they're discussing what was spoken in that address. But they have differences of opinion. One person is convinced this is what the speaker said. I know it. And the other person responds, no, I heard this. I am convinced that this is what the individual said while speaking. At an impasse, then, they look at perhaps a recording of what the speaker said and they find that they were both wrong in what they thought was spoken at the address. How thankful we can be that we have the Word of God given to us in a written format. There's no arguing, no wondering whether 
this is the Word of God or not the Word of God, we can see black on white, this is what God says. As sword power, it goes forth and it has a double effect. The language of the Scriptures is it is a two-edged sword. And both edges of the sword are used by God for good. Hebrews 4 verse 12 speaks of this reality. For the Word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of the soul and spirit and of the joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. The one edge of the sword of the Word of God as it slices forth is that it has the power to soften the hearts of God's people. That's the positive blessing of the use of sword power. It is used by God to address His people, speak unto them, revealing unto them their sins, revealing unto them their unworthiness of coming into the presence of God. It reveals unto His people how they have rebelled against His commandments. And then the Word of God comes and brings them unto Jesus Christ, in whom they find salvation. So that the child of God, as he sits under the Word of God as it is proclaimed, is comforted and his heart is softened. By the power of that word. But the other edge of the sword is not used to soften, but to harden. As the sword of the word swings, it cuts to the heart of man, and it hardens that man in his sins. He hears of sins and Jesus, and faith, and God. And he despises it. He does not want to hear the Word of God. He may continue for a while, putting forth a pretense of an interest in the Word of God, but more and more it becomes clear that this person is not interested in the Word of God. God. You'll make a long list of excuses as he goes out the door. Blame the other members of the church. They weren't loving enough. Blame the minister. Preaching wasn't powerful enough. Blame the elders. Didn't do your work faithfully enough. Blame everybody else on the way out the door. But the reason he goes out, he does not love the Word. The Word of God is a power. It's always a power. It's always accomplishing the purpose that God has given unto it. 
And either it is being used by God graciously to soften the hearts of His own children, a savor of life unto life, or it's being used by God to harden the savor of death unto death. The emphasis of this word is on the fact that it is spoken. We said that that's the literal meaning of this word, sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. It's it's the utterance. It's the voice of God. And so what then is the sword of the Spirit but... The preaching is not the preaching where the voice of God, of Jesus Christ, is heard. That's the sword power. As Jesus Christ addresses His people through the preaching, this was already the case in the Old Testament, that through the mouths of the prophets, God was pleased to speak. Isaiah confessed this truth. Isaiah 49, verse 2, And he, speaking of God, and he hath made my mouth like a sharp sword. In the shadow of his hand hath he hid me and made me a polished shaft. In his quiver hath he hid me. Our duty then is to take heed unto the preaching as God speaks to His people through the preaching of the Word. The power of that Word is not to be found in the eloquence, the wisdom, the stature of the man who brings that Word. But the power of the preached Word is found in God Himself who is pleased to use earthen vessels as instruments in the Redeemer's hand by which His Word goes forth and by which His people are brought to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. God could have used whatever means He wanted to bring His Word unto His people. He could have sent angels to bring His Word. But God is pleased to use ministers to utter the holy declaration of God. Is there not then a powerful and indescribable, even a mysterious operation of the Holy Spirit as we come to church? This is why, beloved, we must safeguard our coming to church. Why it is a priority to us. And why we miss worship services only when absolutely necessary. Because God speaks. And who would miss hearing the voice of God? But it's not just through the preaching that the Word is spoken. It's also the case, beloved, 
that the Word of God is spoken through you. You have this sword. God gives it into your hands. God calls you to take this sword of the Spirit and use that sword of the Spirit. And so it's not just the minister as the minister preaches is the voice of Jesus Christ and the preaching on Sunday, but, beloved, it's also you as the Spirit gives unto you strength and wisdom and as you proclaim the Word of God that you are able to use this sword. We'll look a little bit more in the second point at how we use that sword, but now we establish the point you are able to use this sword. You're able to use the sword because God gives that sword unto you. And we mustn't be afraid of using that sword. Sometimes as individuals, we can be nervous, apprehensive about using the Word of God as a sword. Is that not the case? We have a friend. And we see in this friend that they're starting to decline spiritually. That they no longer have this fervent love and zeal for Jesus Christ. They no longer have a commitment unto holiness. And they start to slip in certain areas of their lives. And we watch this individual whom we love backslide into sins. And we realize that the devil is at work in that individual. But what do we do? So often we become nervous. Who am I to go talk to that individual? Somebody else will go talk to that person. Somebody else will admonish them. It's a frightening thing using the sword. Bringing the Word of God to that backsliding individual and calling them to repent. And then we use the sword as individual members in our own lives too. It's not just using the sword to call others to repentance. But the Word of God is the spiritual sword by which He carves out wickedness in our own hearts and our own desires. That process of sanctification hurts. It's painful. It's presenting oneself a living sacrifice. It's dying a daily death unto sin. That's the power of the sword. How difficult it is to use this sword in the right way. Who even wants to use this sword? We note two ways in which the sword is oftentimes misused. We speak carefully here, recognizing that we all have areas of strengths and we all have areas of weaknesses. And so we are not puffing ourselves up over one another, but with humility 
examining where we are weak. One improper use of the sword is we become afraid of ever picking it up. We might be able to talk about the sword. We might be able to talk about others using the sword. We might be thankful for men like Martin Luther and John Kelvin and Herman Huxma who used the sword. But although we express thanksgiving unto God for others who have used the sword, we ourselves are too timid to take the shaft in our hands and use it. This individual is a pacifist. This individual is very sensitive to tension in relationships. Because this individual is has an acute sense of when there is tension or difficulties in relationships, this person would prefer simply to run away during times of the possibility of conflict. This person is like unto Barak, the Old Testament judge, who was called by God to lead the Israelites into battle, but who was a coward. And that's really what this individual is from a spiritual perspective. A coward who does not dare to use the sword. The other ditch, the other improper use of the sword is this. It is the individual who is glad to take the sword, but who lacks the wisdom to know how to use it effectively. Like a bull in a china shop, this person takes the sword and swings it this way and swings it that way, cutting this individual, jabbing that individual, sharp and piercing words intended to hurt and cut down the other individual with no concern about who is facing the sharp edge of that sword. This individual who, who, who abuses the sword in such a manner is a very confident individual. It is an individual who oftentimes is convinced that he or she is standing for the Lord's cause. Because this individual is convinced in his heart that he is doing the Lord's work, it does not matter how many people come to that individual and tell him, stop it. You're destroying others. You're hurting others by swinging that sword around ruthlessly. In fact, the more others tell that individual to stop, the more confident that individual becomes that he is doing the Lord's work and he continues going on a rampage. Similar to Peter in the garden when he pulled the sword out of his sheath and started swinging. 
And Jesus had to tell him, put that sword back. And then Jesus had to undo the damage that Peter did. Because this individual is so hurtful and ruthless in the use of the sword, others, for the sake of their own protection, distance themselves from this individual. And so this individual ends up a very lonely person. Not unlike the coward who does not dare to pick up the sword and who hides away. Both the coward and the ruthless user of the sword end up alone. So what then positively ought to characterize the Christian's use of the sword. How is it that we take the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God? I believe that there is one word that ought to characterize our use of the sword spiritually. Take the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. It is the sword which comes forth from the Holy Spirit. So if this sword comes forth from the Holy Spirit, then ought not our use of this sword to be characterized by a spiritual use? If we are seeking to use this sword spiritually, that means in the first place that the confidence that we have in using this sword is a confidence that comes to us from God on high. That's what the cowardly or the pacifist individual needs to hear. Perhaps an individual says, yes, that's me. I am timid by nature and I avoid confrontation and I I become nervous when I'm put in these situations where I have to bring a word of admonishment or correction. Then let your encouragement be this, beloved, that you are bringing the sword of the Spirit. It's the Spirit who works in your heart. And it's the Spirit who is pleased to work through you as you bring the Word in order to call others unto repentance. It doesn't depend on your strength, your wisdom. You don't have to have just the right words to say of your own self. But the Spirit gives unto you utterance and courage to be able to bring that Word. That in the first place is what we mean when we say let our use of this sword be a spiritual use. Second, using the sword spiritually means that we use it with humility. The Word of God says, take the sword of the Spirit. We noted last week that that word take can also be translated as receive. Receive this gift that God gives you in His grace. Because it is a gift of grace, 
that God gives unto us, who could become puffed up in pride and arrogance and say, ah, I know what this situation needs. I have the answer of myself. There is no room for pride in using the sword of the Spirit. For it comes from God Himself. Others will be able to discern very, very quickly whether we are bringing the Word of God with humility or with pride. People are very perceptive in that regard. They'll pick up very fast. If you or I or anyone else is bringing the Word with arrogance. Third, what does it mean to Use this sword spiritually. Does it not mean, beloved, that our use of this sword power ought to be done with reverence? With reverence. Closely related to with humility, but a different emphasis here. We ought to use the Word of God with reverence because of how great The Word of God is. We're handling a holy matter here, beloved. When we open up the Word of God and bring that Word of God unto others, we're not dealing here with simply the words or the thoughts of other men. But we're dealing with heavenly language. We're dealing with wisdom and mystery so great that human minds cannot comprehend the depths of it. We've only begun to scratch the surface in understanding what God is communicating to us in the Holy Scriptures. The Scriptures, we said earlier, are the revelation of the heart and the will and the mind of God. And so we ought to be very, very careful in our use of the Holy Scriptures. Other men have noted, and I do not disagree, that the calling into the ministry is a dangerous occupation. Dangerous because you are living so close to a holy, powerful Word of God. We all must approach the Word of God with reverence and use it carefully. Finally, what do we mean when we speak of using the Word of God spiritually? Does it not require love? For the Holy Spirit is the bond who unites the Father and the Son. He proceeds from the Father and He proceeds from the Son. He's the holy breath of God. And He unites Father and Son together in love. So any time then that we open up the Word of God and bring that Word to someone else, 
must always be done with an attitude of love. Paul speaks of this in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, and have not charity, love, I am become as sounding brass or a tinkling cymbal. And though I have the gift of prophecy, and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I could remove mountains, and have not charity, I am nothing. May we be on our knees praying that God give unto us the proper humility, reverence, love, and confidence that's needed to use the sword. And then we trust that this sword has saving power. Saving power exactly because it is the sword of the Spirit. And who is the Spirit but the Spirit of Jesus Christ? That's the strength of this sword. It's found in Jesus Christ. The Jesus who condescended into this world. Jesus who suffered all His life long. Who was crucified, dead, and buried in an act of sacrificial love for His people. Jesus, who knows His sheep, who calls them all by name. Jesus, who knows our frame and who remembers that we are dust. Jesus gives unto us this sword. How powerful is the Word of God. 2 Timothy 3, verse 15 describes that power in the second half of the verse. It's known the Holy Scriptures which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. That's the power. It's able to make you wise. And how powerful that wisdom is in defending you and guarding you against the advances of the devil. The devil would have you not become wise about your salvation. The devil would have you doubt your salvation. The devil would have you doubt your membership in the church of Jesus Christ. The devil would have you doubt God's love and care for the church of Jesus Christ. Always the devil is trying to get God's people to doubt God's work. The power of the sword of the Spirit is this. It is able to make you wise unto salvation. It gives you to know that I am and forever shall remain a living member in the church of Jesus Christ. It gives you to know that you belong unto Jesus, that you are justified in the sight of God. It gives you to know that because of Jesus Christ, you are holy 
And because you are holy, you may fellowship with God through Jesus Christ. Use, beloved, this sword. May God strengthen you to use it as a power. You already know the Scriptures. You've already studied God's Word. That's why you come to church. You wouldn't be here if you didn't know something about God and His Word. For many of you, having grown up in the church, you've known the Scriptures for a long, long time now. 2 Timothy 3, verse 15, And that from a child, Thou hast known the Holy Scriptures. But we mustn't allow our previous knowledge of the Word of God to deter us from earnestly seeking to grow in knowing who God is and what He has done for us. Do not permit, beloved, the edge of your sword to become dull through the misuse or the forgetting of God's Word. Keep the edge of your sword sharp. And keep it sharp by being a student of the Holy Scripture. Catechism students, keep your sword sharp by coming prepared to answer the questions that you have memorized for catechism. Bible study members, keep your sword sharp by coming to discuss God's Word. And let all of us keep our swords sharp by our personal, prayerful, daily study of the Holy Scriptures. Amen. Let us pray. Father and our God in heaven, we have spoken a few words about the power of Thy Word Thy word is so great, thy thoughts are so deep, that we can only begin to understand the transcendence of thy being. Wilt thou, Father, press thy word upon our hearts by the Holy Spirit? Help us to use this sword in the proper way. Forgive us for Jesus' sake. Amen.